Hello everyone, welcome to the Arseholics podcast. We're recording on a Monday night. It's a bank holiday weekend here in the UK. So um, all of us have had a pretty busy one um, and it's been a couple of days since Arsenal played. But, you know, it's, 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 it's a great feeling. Just like every other episode that we've done this season, we're recording after a victory. We didn't record after Bournemouth, so I guess we're recording after a double victory. Um, it feels good. It feels great. I've got Aaron in with me. I've got Mize. Hello, boys. How's it going? Good, man. Good. How are you? Yeah, good. 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 Feeling good. Excited to talk about this. We've listen. We just uh, so we just played Fulham. We won two one at the Emirates. It was uh, a, a, it was a great way to start the long weekend. It was weird because it was a game where usually the three of us probably would have ended up having a really big night because it's it's a it's a Saturday late kickoff, five thirty kickoff, which meant you know as as you can imagine for anyone who wasn't at the game, so many people probably arrived early in the area got pretty tagged up by the time Arsenal kicked off we're already in a pretty merry place and then we had this game which and it didn't really look we didn't you know we didn't know if it was going to go our way or, or or exactly was this going to be the game that we finally didn't win uh, but we did in the end and obviously the the jubilation and the feeling in the ground was amazing and it's a sort of game where I think that if we were all, uh, if we didn't all have other plans, we probably would have ended up having a really, really late one. And I'm sure a lot of other Arsenal fans uh, around the ground had 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 big nights because it was another just great day at the Emirates, wasn't it, guys? I mean, Aaron, and like, how does that rank from kind of recent memories at, at the Emirates? Yeah, I know it sounds it sounds really stupid because yeah, we all know it was a it was a home game against Fulham, right? And it's not. It's not one we're going to tell our kids about, right, or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, remember that home 2-1 win against Fulham. But the atmosphere in the ground throughout the whole game, but especially when we went behind, was was really, really good. It was it was just a reflection of you know, the way the home fans feel about this team and where we are on this journey. You know, there was no negativity in the ground. Everyone really believed that, you know, we were playing well and then we went behind and it was like, okay, right, we're going to have to do something that we haven't done before in a long, long time, which was come from behind and win when we've gone behind in the second half. I think I saw a stat to say it's the first time we've come from, gone behind in the first, second half and then come back to win since 2013. So almost 10 years, right? Um, and and we did it. And yeah, it's it's a home game against Fulham. It's a game we should have won. But, the, you know, there's... You can't not be happy, ecstatic when we go and win a game from behind. And we, I think we got the winner with like five minutes to go. Um, quality. Like, honestly, I had a really, really good time. Yeah, absolutely. And Mize, you know, like the celebration police have been out in force, haven't they? Uh, Richard Keyes, Andy Gray, the two disgraced um, UK pundits, if you like, you know, effectively kicked out the country and and, and not allowed on UK TV anymore, <laughs> uh, were pretty critical. Uh, and I think they were the main people who were critical about the fact that we were celebrating, uh, you know, win against, you know, lowly Fulham almost in their subtext, right? A team that, you know, we're, we're allegedly supposed to be every day of the week. And apparently this would never have happened under Wenger. It would never have happened under big managers, etc. Um, and apparently... Arteta and and the team over celebrated, and it's a sign of how far we've fallen. I mean, what do you think about that, mate? I mean, there's been a few occasions where I don't know if this is a this seems to be a bit of an Arsenal thing, where I think it was was it Wolves last season, um, similar kind yeah. of thing. 
Um, we got criticised for, for celebrating. I think it might have been a late win. Yeah, I, I mean, look, people have got to say stuff that makes headlines, right? And people have got to say stuff that draw attention um, to them, uh, to the to the media outlets that they're promoting. And I, and I think that's pretty much it. That's all I put it down to. Um, yeah, Richard Keyes and Andy Gray, their opinion personally doesn't really mean that much to me. They've obviously given us some amazing commentary, Andy Gray, especially in what the kind of, I don't know, early 2000s, whenever it was like that Premier League era. But yeah, um, not too relevant for me. I mean, I don't know what people expect. No matter what, no matter who the opposition is, um, you know, as everyone keeps saying, the Premier League is the toughest league in the world. Every Premier League game is a tough game, um, i.e. there are no easy games. So to win a game, having yeah gone behind, as Aaron has said, and to win it with a few minutes to go, you know, we, we went behind in the second half, right? So we didn't have that long to come back. And and I think it just illustrates, it, you know, I think it illustrates really how, not so much how far we've fallen, but how far we've come in since, I think, because we hit the lowest point in the in, in recent times. Our lowest point was probably, you know, back at or lowest points, probably back end of Wenger and then under Unai Emery, there were some really, really bad times. And I think it just shows kind of how far we've climbed back up to the point that, it's not so much about celebrating a win like that. It's more what happened, as Aaron has said, what happened after we went 1-0 down, how the crowd responded, how the crowd really helped the team kind of start again, essentially, um, and really kind of just, just yeah, just helped the team come back into that game and really helped Gabriel as well. Same thing happened with Saliba um, a couple of weeks ago against Leicester when he scored the own goal. So, so I think it's just that, you know, very obvious... Uh, growth in the connection between fans, players, manager, um, and I think that's what that's what everyone was celebrating on at the final whistle on on uh, on Saturday. Yeah, and also it it there's there's something to be said for the fact that there's a period of time right where a lot of these old pundits are referring to where where actually you could almost say if a good team plays a worse team, the good team wins, right? Like it was often a case where a team who had a better eleven players beat the team who didn't, you know, had a worse eleven players. And it, football's just—it's evolved so much. It's evolved so much further than even from when you know we were supporting Arsenal in the nineties, when you know Wenger kind of turned up and, and Arsenal started winning under Wenger. Things have changed a hell of a lot since then, and it's just this massive oversimplification I find right when a lot of pundits seem to lean on some of that kind of old assumptions around the fact that you know if you are a, a more established team playing a weaker team you know there's almost no, nothing worth celebrating over winning it should be something that you just kind of almost shake hands walk off the pitch and it's done the fact is you know this Fulham side got promoted and like Nottingham Forest have done and like many other promoted teams have done they've gone and strengthened they've got a lot of good players they've spent money like like newly promoted clubs do spend money and they're a decent team who took points off Liverpool on opening day of the season um so you know it was almost it's almost disrespectful I find to to not celebrate and um but Aaron and you know with the game itself we when we were talking about this before kickoff we talked about how it might be a difficult game because Fulham have been playing some quite good stuff over the last, you know, over the first three games, some quite attacking stuff, and they might really come at us. Uh, for me, the game panned out a little bit differently in practice, and it felt like their tactics were a little bit different for that. Were you surprised in any way as to how the game itself played out? Uh, yeah, a bit, I think. I think that 
we we predicted it would be close. I think I said it would be one nil, for example, to us. And um, I think this is one of those things that when you sleep on it and you reflect on the game the next day, I kind of actually look back on it and realise that actually we were really dominant in that game. Mm. We Fulham never really looked like scoring, except for that one you know freak incident where Gabriel lost the ball and Mitrovic took the goal really well. But there's, you know, in another day, if we weren't so wasteful with our final ball, we could have scored maybe one or two in the first half, come out and scored maybe a third, and it could have potentially been a comfortable game. The only reason it, you know, the only reason it kind of was tense and nervy was because we just just had one of those games where nothing really went right for us, but we dominated the ball and actually thought we played really well. And the goal just gave us that injection and that urgency that was probably lacking in the first half. Agreed. And and, and on that kind of dominant point, it's really interesting you say that because I think when we were watching the game in the, in the stadium, I, I, I don't think it did feel at times like we were as don- dominant as we were. If we look at the stats, right? It's, geez, I mean, you very rarely get a stat where every stat suggests you were dominant, right? But we had 72% of the possession, which is, which is huge. You know, team, you don't normally get above 70% of possession. Um, 22 shots versus 11, uh, almost double the amount of touches, almost three times as many passes, um, you know, nine cor- corners versus two. Or every, everything points to the fact that we were, we were incredibly dominant. Um, but it did feel, though, in that first half that... Um, you know, Arsenal were a little bit second gearish. Uh, I, I mean, did, did you feel that much? Did you feel that there was something that we weren't doing in the first half that we then kicked off in the second half? Yeah, it's interesting the stats that you pointed out because I've not seen the stats post game um, and I didn't realise it was as kind of one sided stats wise as the um, as the numbers you've just sort of um, explained uh, show. But I, I, yeah, it, it didn't really feel like that sort of game. Um, in uh being uh, being being at the game maybe on tv it was it was a different experience but yeah while we were as we were there while we were there watching it it didn't really feel like we were really really testing Leno. i think the second half there was more of um there was more of a push for us to score obviously especially having gone one nil down as well um but yeah i, I don't really feel like the stats uh, i don't really feel like the game itself really um really felt like while I was watching it that we were as dominant as that I think um yeah I mean yeah I, I don't know what you guys if you guys agree based on your experience watching it I think the other thing to mention is obviously we lost Partey and Zinchenko right out of the mm. the first 11 quite late and I think the first half was probably a reflection of that I think Tierney came in Elneny came in and whilst neither of them were terrible I think they, Danny especially, just took a while to just get up to speed. He didn't look like he was fully integrated into this well-oiled machine that we were kind of rolling with in the first three games. And that was a challenge. But again, I thought actually you take up, took out two of probably our best players who have had in terms of form this season so far. There's, um, you know, there's something to be, you know, something to be quite pleased about to say actually like, we had two people come in and we still managed to, you know, dominate possession. And yes, it's Fulham, but we still managed to come away with the win. Like that was probably not planned for. I doubt we planned to roll with Tierney and Elneny in the game, but we, we made it work. Do you, 
was, you still expect though, right? Sorry, go on. Mike. I was just going to ask as well, because the interesting thing about Tierney coming in, obviously it sounded like a fairly last minute uh, change, but Tierney coming in, we didn't really change the system too much to accommodate mm. him. Obviously two different types mm. of left backs, right? Zinchenko and Tierney. And we've seen how Tierney operates best in this team, or at least uh, for Arsenal. Um, uh, and, you know, I think, I don't know, I was just interested to get your thoughts because obviously when you've got a left-sided player like Martinelli um, in front of you, it's probably quite hard for Tierney to play his normal game as well, I guess, because Martinelli's so direct. He's always kind of um, trying to get down that, well, he comes in inside and he goes outside, but he often gets down to the byline on that left-hand side and possibly quite hard for um, a player like Tierney who likes to overlap to, to do that. But um, yeah, I, was, I, I, I didn't feel like we changed the system at all f- to accommodate Tierney, which is which is fair enough. But I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't think he. Yeah, obviously, he didn't have the best game. He did look a bit. Maybe it was just a bit of lack of match um, fitness mm. or being just being ready in terms of playing matches. But how did you guys think he he did in the in the system? Well, I felt that the difficult thing to assess initially is 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 how much of it was planned in any way, right? But in the sense that when did the injuries become apparent? Were these really last minute where we had prepared a certain way to play against Fulham and this was the game plan and then, you know, suddenly these injuries happen and suddenly you're just subbing in Elneny and, and, and Tierney. Uh, and and, and if at that point, it's probably quite difficult to change your game plan, right? Say if they were really last minute. But if they were a little bit earlier, then maybe, maybe you know, Arteta would have had the choice to make as to whether he changed game plan and like you you correctly pointed out it didn't actually look like we did it looked like he was still trying to we, we were still playing Tierney as a more of an inverted fullback than maybe he's he's normally used to and then I think the other the other thing that makes it difficult to assess um, exactly what was planned and how it worked and whether it was well executed is actually that Tierney was his first start you know, since he's been out, etc. And I, I agree with you that it wasn't the Tierney of old. So even the times where he was going down the left, trying to be, you know, in, in certain moves that we were doing, where he was kind of doing that traditional overlapping fullback kind of role, it didn't really seem like it was the same Tierney. It seemed like he just that 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 kind of half a second slower, maybe that 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 edge wasn't quite there. So I think it was quite hard to tell in in that respect. I mean, Aaron, and I, I don't know how how you felt. Yeah, I. I don't think the instruction was for Tierney to be old school Kieran Tierney, if we can call it that. Mm. I think he was asked to, I, I, I don't know if it was to replicate what Zinchenko does, but it's certainly a much more reserved version of what Kieran Tierney does. And I think that primarily is because Martinelli's role has always been to be that widest midfielder in the front you know, four or five. And you know, we often saw the, the play build up on the right hand side and then we'd try and switch it to Martinelli and try and get him in behind, right? And Kirantini was nowhere near the ball in any of those situations. So I I assume it was quite deliberate to say, actually, you you stay back because we need you either in the middle or in a more traditional left-back position. But no, I think if it's very rare that we've seen Tierney and Martinelli, like you said, Myers, work well because they both occupy the same sort of attacking spaces in that sense. Um, and maybe it's the case that actually, if we see Tierney, we might see someone like Smith Rowe or even Vieira on that left-hand side, because that is potentially what 
gets the best out of Kieran Tierney. But I think, you know, you have to kind of choose, do you want the best out of Kieran Tierney in that attacking left wide role? Or do you want Gabriel Martinelli feeling comfortable and doing what he's doing? And I think it makes sense in that sense to prioritise getting the best out of Martinelli because that's his game. That's what he needs to do. And that's what we need him to do there. Yeah, might as well, with the other switch in, right, with El Neni coming in, a lot of people who have analysed the game since have talked about how actually El Neni was playing a really important role in cutting off the passing lanes to Mitrovic and potentially in that way, therefore, really destabilising what Fulham have done quite well in their first few games. So maybe the way that the way the, way the game panned out and, and, you know, as I mentioned initially, I was quite surprised in, in how it seemed that Fulham weren't really trying to get on the front foot and perhaps much of that was because of this role that El Nenny was playing to kind of again get in the way and destabilize that channel um but this being said you know at the beginning of the game and and I suppose since uh, many people have been surprised with El Nenny's inclusion in the team um given that you've got Sambi Lakonga who is someone that was signed right as a is clearly someone for the future to some degree but came with quite a lot of quite a lot of uh, uh, reputation to some degree. Vincent Company said nice things about this guy. He's, you know, meant to be a, a real, real talent, um, you know, and one for the future with Belgium. We saw lots of flashes of good things last season. And, um, you know, there were times where he struggled towards the back end of the season. And we've, we can talk for ages as to why we may have thought those things happened. But the fact of the matter is, <clears throat> we're playing at home against Fulham. Uh, we've won three on the bounce. And Thomas Partey is out of the team and it would seem on paper to many that actually it's a great opportunity to put Lakonga in. Um, were you surprised, Mize, at the fact that he didn't play in? And if you were surprised, what do you think that means for the role that he has to play this season or how Arteta might see him? I wasn't that surprised, to be honest. So when I saw Elneny's name, obviously I was surprised to see Elneny because none, none of us were aware there were those couple of injuries. Um, but... I wasn't that surprised that he's gone for El Nenny just purely because, you know, we, we, we say it every time he's in the team or when we assess the squad, you just know what you're going to get from him. And he's a pretty dependable seven out of 10 type player. Um, he's not extravagant. He's not going to, he's not going to offer you the kind of forward passing and passing through the lines and, um, you know, taking the ball out of tight spaces and probably beating a man like Thomas Partey does, but he offers you a, f- a fair bit of stability and he can stick to a game plan and he can be disciplined um, so I think even though, you know, even though it's Fulham at home and yeah, on paper promoted side, a game you should be winning. I think, I think maybe, maybe I'm just speculating, maybe it's just Arteta having learned a little bit from last season and, you know, just having gone through the experience of last season with the youngest squad, the youngest team in the league, he's just being a little bit more cautious when it comes to maybe some of these you know, some of these changes and how he uses the squad and maybe, you know, it happened with Tavares as well, right? Like Tavares had to come in um, probably a fair bit more than we would have liked. And you saw how raw he was. And despite a player having potential and having a reputation and, you know, coming with a reputation and having kind of like glowing reports from pretty, um, you know, pretty, uh, you know, good players in the game, as it were, or ex-players, um, I, I don't think that necessarily means that they should just get a starting berth when when a central midfielder is injured or when Thomas Partey is injured. So I guess, yeah, I, th- I think maybe maybe t- maybe Arteta's just, yeah, being a little bit more cautious after what happened last season. You know, we saw how the inexperience 
cost us a little bit or cost us quite a bit, to be honest, especially at the back end of last season. And he's just maybe thinking, okay, all we need to do is Fulham at home, but a couple of unexpected injuries, things are going well, but, you know, let's just, all we need to do is just get the win and move on to the next. And, um, and yeah, maybe he went for that option. And I think when you, you know, Raj, you just asked the question about his role in the team for this season and going forward. I mean, that's an interesting one because, you know, like he, to, for me, he, I, I feel like he's more of a box-to-box central midfielder as opposed to a deep-lying midfielder. Like, I, I think he can do both sides of the game, basically. Um, and I guess when you lose Thomas Partey, if you cut, you know, your next best option, as, as you say, you know, kind of what uh, El Nenny brought to the game was more defensively minded, cutting off the passing lanes, being disciplined in that position. I think you, we might see, maybe, maybe not, it depends on who, if we sign anyone, but we might see Lekonga, uh obviously we're going to see him in Europe in the cup competitions. We might see Lekonga, if there's a Xhaka issue, injury suspension, maybe that's when Lekonga might might come in. I mean, I know there's quite a few options to go into that position, but that's maybe when we might see Lekonga because like I said, I think he's a bit more of a box to box and I think he's he offers quite a lot going forward as well. So, yeah. But you, if we do, let's just say... You know, Lekonga is someone who, who is perhaps not necessarily seen as someone who can do the Xhaka role. Let's just say if he, if that's not how Arteta sees him, because let's bear in mind that you've got Emil Smith Rowe and you've got Fabio Vieira, who seem like players who can play centrally and and they can, if needed to, maybe play in that number eight role. Um, because you know, from recalling with 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 Zambi, I think whenever he's played for Arsenal um, thus far. It's never been an incredibly progressed role. So he's not been someone who's been in the final third necessarily. So, I mean, do, do, is, is this a case where it is age? Is it, is it not better for him to be getting minutes? Should he not be going on loan somewhere if he's ultimately, you know, going to be, I, I guess, third fiddle to, to Thomas Partey and maybe not even necessarily being played in a in a, a more advanced central midfield role? I'm Aaron, and what, what do you think about that? Yeah, I've... <laughs> I've, I know people have been talking about playing Lokonga in a number eight, but like, what what do you base that off? Because I've, we just haven't seen him play that much, to be honest. And this is my concern. He did, is, he did a bit in preseason, yeah. I think. To be, I think he scored in preseason from yeah. getting into the box. So like, I mean, look, small sample size, but mm. I, know, I know what you mean. But he's only been with us a season, and he's play, he's just basically come in yeah. when we've had a midfielder injured. So yeah, yeah, and I think it's. I think that the jury's still out on him, to be honest. I mean, I've not seen anything amazing from him. He's, he's had shown flashes where he can do the the kind of Thomas Partey-type role and do Thomas Partey-type things, but there are very few people in, in the Premier League that can do what Thomas Partey can do, right? Because that's such a high bar. Um, but I think we we obviously bought him with the idea of probably being that, that guy in two or three years' time, but, you know he has struggled in games as well and this is my concern is you know what is what is the plan for him i think the plan is europa league this year see him develop get him to january see you know let's just see what he's like in these games where can he actually you know do play 90 minutes for us in a game maybe not against top premier league opposition but europa league opposition and see how he does i think yeah i was I was a bit disappointed because I always want to see us play young players. But like you said, Mice, I think Arteta's probably thought, actually, I'm just going to go with a little bit more experience here of El Nini. And I thought El Nini, El Nini had a really good game. Um, 
but yeah, with with Lukonga, I think we've just got to wait and see to see if he can step up because the the insights we've seen so far have been a bit sporadic and we've seen good parts, but we've also seen some areas where he um, he's been a bit concerning. And I think you know if we had to com- like, I think he's probably on that same category as Tavares was, which is there are undoubtedly some very very good parts but does Arteta trust him enough just yet I'm I'm not so sure talking about trust Fabio Vieira still hasn't got on the pitch and obviously he has been injured we know they didn't play a moment of pre-season um so it's understandable that they're not rushing him it's not just a player like Tierney or Tomiyasu who's coming back from injury this is a guy who's coming back from injury and has never played with this team before ever um so it's understandable that perhaps it's a little bit slower um but my again you know i guess maybe similar to your comment about lakonga do you think that arteta sees the best way of of perhaps you know managing um viera to just get him through in in europa league games and and not rely on him so much in in these kind of initial um kind of exchanges if you like in the premier league where he's got some players who perhaps have know the drill a little bit better. Do you, do you see that a similar path for him in that way? It's an interesting one because <clears throat> I, I I was quite surprised he didn't come on against Bournemouth, to be honest. I know, I think he was on the bench, right? And I think he had just come back into yeah. the squad or just come into the squad for the first time. I was quite surprised he didn't just get five minutes or so considering how comfortable the game was. Um, I guess Saturday was a little bit different because we were chasing a goal with not long to go. So it makes sense as to why he, he didn't come off his debut. It wouldn't have been the right game. Maybe it would have been if, you know, we, we were desperate for a goal and maybe if we it was still 1-1 going into the last, literally the last couple of minutes, then maybe we would have seen him. Who knows? But um, I think it's I think quite an interesting thing with Arteta is he's not really, um, he's not really taken much of a shine to this five subs rule yet. I don't know what, I can't remember um, exactly how many subs he's made in the, the four games so far, but um, I think even on Saturday, he you know he basically mm. turned to Inketia, no Smith Rowe, no Vieira. Um, not sure who else was on the but Marquinhos was on the bench. Didn't didn't go to him. So quite quite interesting. So it's not just him. You know, Smith Rowe didn't come on, and that's quite. We haven't seen much of Smith Rowe at all this season. That's really surprising, considering how kind of important he was for us last season and, and how good his. Yeah. Was. So just to recap, sorry, just on the on the side, just have it on my screen now. So the subs on the weekend, like I mean, it's exactly how you say it. You know, he brought on Eddie on the 61st minute, and then his next sub was on the 89th minute, bringing on uh, Tommy Asu, and then the 95th minute, bring on Holding. Yeah. So. Yeah, so I'm not, I mean, again, not concerned, not too worried. I think it's probably quite a good thing that we're able to, we're, we're grinding out results or, or not just grinding out results, but, you know, playing well and winning games, not having to rely on some of the squad plays that we are going to have to rely on, obviously, later on in the season and, like you say, for the Europa League game. So, no, I'm itching to see him, obviously, because he's coming with a, a pretty good reputation in terms of, you know, once you look him up and see the kinds of things that he does on the ball and how exciting he is as a player, um, really, really looking forward to seeing him. And I think the other interesting thing is now, we're going into a week where we've obviously got you know, essentially three games in a week or three games in eight days. So um, there's probably a need for rotation or more of a need for rotation than there has been so far in the season where we've been playing once a week um, and then Europa League the following week. So uh, I can definitely see a couple of changes and maybe someone like Smith Rowe comes in for one of the next couple of games. Maybe Vieira comes in, who knows? But um, yeah, not, not really too worried about it. I just find it quite interesting that Arteta's hasn't really used those 
you know three subs on on Saturday, for example, he hasn't really maxed out those five subs yet. Um, I think he did. We did bring on five against Bournemouth, okay. perhaps. Yeah. But I think, but then again, again, that was when we were quite comfortably in the lead, right? Mm. So, but you're right. I think he. It it was. I when we were when, when we went one nil down, I was like, I think I said to him, I was like, who's he going to bring on, right? And I think Enketia was the obvious one. It's clear that he trusts Enketia now to come on and help us change the game. But I don't know how much he trusts anyone else on that bench to come on. Or more, is he willing to take off someone like Saka, someone like Martinelli, someone like Jesus, in order to bring on someone like Smithrow? Um, and I don't think he he does trust. Like, I don't think he wants to lose that because he thinks, actually, yeah, I might get... Yeah, someone who can get in the box in Smith Rowe, for example. But whatever the substitutes outside of Eddie bring probably isn't enough for him versus, you know, having a Jesus or a Martinelli or a Saka on the pitch. And that's something that, you know, we might want to discuss this later on, which is like, actually, do we need to add someone to the squad who can come on if Saka isn't doing it, if Martinelli isn't doing it, if Smith Rowe isn't seen to be enough of a goal threat? And you know, who is that sub that we can bring on because we have lost Pepe now. Not that not that kind of Arteta trusted Pepe that much, but with that role, that that you know, that attacking wide player sub who can really change the game, we don't yet have. Mm. And um it, I kind of felt that a bit when we went one nil down. But with this rotation, I think maybe an interesting thing to think about as well is is um the World Cup being when it is poses so many really interesting dynamics and one of those things i wonder right is that when you've got a squad and you're trying to manage a uh, a normal season part of the reason why you rotate early isn't necessarily because you think you're going to get an injury early it's because you, you you want to keep people fit for the season it's in its entirety you basically don't want to burn someone out by march and then have them kind of drop dead for you know your last couple of months do you think that some of these managers are effectively thinking, well, do you know what? We don't even know who's going to get called up to their World Cup squads. And even the ones that do get called up to their World Cup squads, we don't know how well their teams are going to do. So is one thought process just kind of saying, well, forget it. Just play your best team all the time. Don't even think about um, resting them for your longevity in the season. Do play whoever you want to, to, to win the games that you, in, in however way you need to. And then basically get to the World Cup, see who gets called up and then manage fitness however you need to. In that way, there's a chance that you basically end up with a bunch of players who don't do anything for about a month and that you have to just, you know, that are just training and doing light training and fitness. And you've got some players, again, who will go to the World Cup and not do very much. Do you think that's playing a part, Mize? Do you think managers could be thinking about that? I mean, they're going to have to be, or surely will be thinking about it, right? I mean, it's, a, it's, it's such a weird season in that sense, first time ever, right? So... They must be thinking about it. How do we best manage the fitness of these players, especially the ones that we know that are going are likely to be going to go away? I mean, the thing is, I think you've got to play the odds, right? So, I, you know, someone like Saka, for example, unless he's not fit, I mean, even if he has a fairly big dip in form, I'm, I'd still say, he's, well, I'd, I'd be confident he's going to make the squad, um, the England squad. So I think, you know, you, they're probably looking at the 20 or so players and, you know, the squad, sorry, and... 
you know, you could probably take a fair guess at who's going to make the squad and who's not, who, who's going to make their squads and who's going to be traveling mm. and who's not. And there might be a couple that are 50-50s. So, um, yeah, that's an interesting one. I hadn't hadn't really considered it. Um, I, don't, I don't know because you could look at it the other way and say like Saka as a, as a good example. Well, play Saka almost every game from now until, now until the World Cup. So from now until November. Then he does he does go away with England and he does play the majority of games and England progress quite far into the tournament and then he comes back in January and he's basically buggered. Is that a good position to be in? So and it's obviously not. So I guess they're going to have to just look at who's the most likely ones to be travelling or, or or going to the World Cup and mm. uh, and basing it on that. I mean I think it's still quite early in the season as well, right? So it, you know it can change so quickly. One injury to a player and they're out for a few weeks and it changes all of your plans. So I don't know how, I don't know how far ahead, like, I don't know how you just have to be so flexible with it. Right. Like can't really put anything. Yeah. Um, there's nothing set in stone. You can't really, you can't obviously, obviously can't predict what's going to happen in the next game and the next few games. Yeah. Agreed. Let's, um, it's, it's a change kind of, um, let's change focus slightly. Right. Let's just all for a second, imagine we're all, on the beach and um we've got our feet up we've got a cocktail and you know the sun's the sun's shining we haven't got a care in the world and we're just here reflecting on the fact that we've won four out of four you know we've got 12 points we're on top of the league and let's cast our mind back to the beginning of the season when we were talking about our predictions and how things how we thought things were going to go and and all that kind of stuff now you know Firstly, I think we could all, I don't even need to come to you guys to know the fact that I think we're all really happy and, and in, in from terms of points-wise, it couldn't be going any better. But are there things that you're reflecting on now um, in, a, in, a, in a more positive way or in a not getting too carried away way? I guess what I'm asking is, when you just look at these four games, forget necessarily the points on the board necessarily, forget the fact that, forget what it actually says. And if we just think about what's happened and how it's happened, Aaron, and what have you maybe learned about this team that you didn't know before? Or what are you feeling now that perhaps has been reinforced? Any, any thoughts? The floor yeah, is yours. Yeah, I think the one thing I was looking for in this first period of games was to work out are we better than we are last year like we knew the transfer dealings were better we knew from a squad point of view we were better but was that going to translate to the pitch and what did that mean right and in in reality that means is our defense better and are we looking likely to score more goals and i and i can you know based on these first four games you can probably unequivocally say yes i think our attack looks considerably better we look like we're creating a lot more chances. We're scoring a lot more goals. Um, I think we're level on um, level on goal difference with uh, City and Liverpool, or at least close. And that includes Liverpool's bloody nine nil win, right? So um, we're we're doing all right. We're keeping up with the the big two in that sense. And we our defence also from a numbers point of view. I think if you look at our expected goals conceded we're number two in the league so far so um yeah the opposition has been kind and we haven't faced a a top top team yet but we we can only beat what's in front of us and these aren't easy yet Bournemouth aside you know Palace away 
Palace are doing really well, right? Fulham are doing really well. Leicester, uh, yeah, hit and miss, fine. But um, we we can only beat what's in front of us. And, you know, so far we, we haven't even looked like dropping points. Like it's not even come close to looking like we're going to drop points. You These aren't like scrappy one nils, like where we've, you know, just had a moment of brilliance and, and won the game. We have been the best, the better team in every single game. And we've pretty much dominated every single game, Palace aside to a certain extent. Um, so, yeah, I think we've leveled up, right? The question is, like, what level are we at now? We're, we don't know. Um, we're going we're gonna to run with this and see, and we're going to learn a lot in, you know, especially in October, I think the, the fixtures toughen up, but we'll go to Old Trafford in a week and we'll learn a bit there. But we, we are undoubtedly better. Now it's just a question of like, okay, we were a little bit, last season we were very, very close to top four, right? Hopefully now we've kind of crossed that that line and we are now a top four team and I really hope we start to act like it and deliver on it. Well said, Mice. Anything to add on that? No, I pretty much agree with Aaron and yeah, I think I think the most interesting thing for me was, you know, how did we react even though it's, you know, after a, a couple of months of, uh, you know, a couple of months off, but how would we react to what happened at the back end of last season, right? What's the mentality of this team and this squad going to be like? How does Arteta, you know, we all saw it on all or nothing, right? So, you know, the last game of the season and and, how, and the last couple of games of the season, especially the the post-Newcastle and post-Spurs uh, games. Um, and yeah, how did the team come back this this season and um, and kick off uh, the season? And obviously, look, we're, we're, we're sort of do every, doing everything that's, asked of us or being asked of us at the moment there's obviously some big big tests to come um but you know what look, if we keep beating all the teams we should be beating it puts us in a, an amazing position for for top four um at least so yeah still early days though you know feet on the ground let's see let's see how how things progress over the next few weeks agree and you know for me some of the positives are really in the detail i think i think that um winning four is lovely i think like you said, Aaron, and one big thing that I really like about this is that we have been the better team in those four games. So say what you want about, you know, the, the quality of the opposition. And in, in fairness, actually, I remember the Athletic at the beginning of the season, they did a they did an article on uh, and they analysed everyone's starts to the season and stuff. Um, and they gave every fixture a certain score. And effectively, we came out as having the easiest start to the season as any out of every team in the league. So in that respect, fine. Respecting that, then you, you know you'd hope if there was anyone who was going to win four games, and it may, may have been us, and 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 we have fine. But when we look the better side. I think the the thing that uh, a couple of things that I've actually been encouraged with is firstly, you know we've conceded three goals, and if you look at those three goals, Saliba's one is a complete freak that will probably never happen in his career again. Gabrielle's was again just something that we probably won't see him do that again this season and and let's just say even if he does say if every defender does that once this season they don't all necessarily get punished so it's it's you know it's relatively freak both of those and the third you know was was um again you know against Leicester where you could probably say that Ramsdale should have done better and even him after the game said it was probably his mistake now for me, I, I like that. What it, but what it says to me is our defensive organisation is phenomenal. If two out, if we've conceded three and two have been complete freaks, and the third is still, you should probably think the goalkeeper should do better. 
I'm phenomenally encouraged by that. I know, again, the strength of the opposition is something, but Palace has shown they're no mugs. Leicester, although can't, they can't defend, you know, are an okay attacking outfit. Um, and, and Fulham have, have, have caused some surprises. So as, as, as one element is the defensive organisation, which I'm really encouraged about. And I guess we'll see that tested a bit more as we play some better teams. The other thing, though, right, is, Aaron, you, you talked about how our attacking play is, is significantly improved. I completely agree. We've talked about on separate uh, on other episodes about how Gabriel Jesus has transformed almost us in, in some ways. Completely agree with that as well. But what is really cool, right, is that we've scored 11 goals this season and t- two of those 11 have been from Gabriel Jesus. And, and 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 Saka, who was our top scorer last season, hasn't scored. Right? So, like, so actually it's really cool because you think at some point Saka is going to, you know, come into, you know, he's, he's, he's probably just, there's, there's something that may be just lacking at the moment, but, but, you know, he'll come back and he'll start scoring goals. Top scorer again from, from last season. Gabriel Jesus will score more goals. He'll probably end up scoring a higher proportion of our goals. But it still feels like, you know, overall, the net positive of our attack, like you were alluding to, Aaron, in, it's it's just improved. We're less reliant on any one person. Uh, other phenomenal kind of bits of detail that I was, you know, reading about, again, The Athletic did a great piece on this, is around how, if you look at a lot of teams, and if you look at Arsenal last season, teams tended to have one area of focus in the pitch over a kind of generally in all games. They either used to generally attack from the left, attack through the centre or attack through the right. Yeah. Teams tend to be biased on one of those sides and Arsenal, you know, were, were, were also, I think, towards the right hand side of the season. This season, every game has been a different area. Right. Which says to me that Arteta is now going, I've got a team and I've got everyone ready. I get everyone knows what they're doing. I've got no weak links here. I can do whatever I want in any game now. I can do the things that I desire to do. Right. I can make it very hard for teams to plan against us. If something's not really working in the game, I'll do something slightly different. I've got faith in that. So those little details I'm so intrigued about as to see how they play out for the rest of the season. Um, and that for me, in, in a way, is 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 even more important than the fact that we've won four out of four. Because if we're honest, right, every game this season when we have done our previews, I think Palace was the only game where not all of us thought we'd win, right? I think two of us thought we'd win, one of us thought they were going to be a draw. Every other game, I think we've all thought we were going to win them. So in that way, you know, we've, we, we've sort of done what we expected to do. Um, and, you know, we, we probably won't predict all our results right for the rest of the season whatever but I think those things that I've just mentioned are the things that perhaps I've been more pleasantly surprised about that I've discovered about this team and I'm just super encouraged to see how it goes I mean is there any I mean Mice do you have any any thoughts on anything I've just said? Uh, the, the point you made about the athletic um, sort of ranking or I don't know how they did it but you know kind of scoring how difficult the first set of games would be for each team I mean look, fair enough and you can only play who's in front of you but you know, it's not like there haven't already been quite a few slip-ups this season. United have well, started really badly. Liverpool as well, you know, had some bad results. Chelsea got um, smashed by Leeds. So, you know, it's almost like mm. it, it doesn't really matter, um, you know, on paper how difficult a, a game is. Like like you say, we just you just got to go and win, win the games, put the points on the board and, and move on to the next one. And, and we're doing that at the moment. So for me, yeah, like I said before, tougher tests to come, but... Um, winning games and and putting a run together that can only help kind of breed confidence and um and help this team to grow so 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 you know 
that, that that's that's it really you can't you can't do much more than beat who's in front of you um yeah that's actually really interesting i hadn't so i haven't seen that um article from the the other one you mentioned about the um from the athletic about um you know areas that teams focus on when they're attacking but yeah you can completely see it and i, I think i said this uh, I've probably said it loads of times to you guys, but you know, in preseason or during the summer, about I just expected our goals to come from. I expected the number of goals we scored to go up, obviously, right, because we've 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 upgraded our striker, but also I expected the goals to be shared even more, or should I say, the other attacking players to contribute even more than what they did last season. So I expected Saka to get double figures again, and. Martinelli to get more goals and Erdegaard, you know, who's now doing that to get more goals. So, so yeah, I, I can see us, you know, comfortably beating our tally, um, goals tally in the Premier League last season. And and exactly what you said, Rod, you know, we, we seem to be scoring from all areas, even Granit Xhaka's coming in with goals. And, um, you know, Gabriel was top uh, goal scorer, top uh, defender as a goal scorer last, last season in the Premier League. And, you know, he's, he's scoring as well. So, so yeah, I can, I can completely see, uh, Arteta trying to expose that as much as possible or trying to, you know, use that as one of our strengths um, and getting goals from all areas. And it just it just ties into the way we're playing as well, right? So many runners into the box, attacking attacking in a way where it's we're making it very, very hard, you know, but so much movement off the ball as well. So it just makes it really, really hard for opposition defenders to almost track um to track the runners and and, you know, one touch passing, interchanges in and around the box. It just makes really good watching. And it also means that anyone could potentially be on the end of a, you know, a cross or that last, that final ball, that through ball. So it just means, yeah, it opens up all of the team to potentially contribute in terms of goals, which, yeah, it's what we all want to see, right? Agreed. Aaron, you, um, when I when I mentioned the whole beach scenario, lying on the beach, reflective, I think the first thing that you said was about, you know, asking the simple question as to whether we have improved, whether our level has gone up. Yeah. And um, and, you know, you, you, you mentioned that you think it comfortably has, which I totally agree with you. Obviously, when you think about the level in which you improve, when it comes to the Premier League or whatever competition it, it, you're in, you also need to measure it relative to everyone else. Right. So whether you're if you're improving and everyone else is, you're kind of net net zero. Right. Um, with that in mind given what you've seen so far, are we improving at a rate that's high enough versus the people that we are competing against? I.e. have others improved at the same rate or do you think that we're overtaking any of those teams? Yeah, it's it's a good question. I think <laughs> only time will tell. I think there's the, the thing I think is, which is quite clear is there are a lot of teams now which are in transition alongside us in some way. And actually we're probably two or three seasons further along that transition like Manchester United for example you they're clearly on this journey of figuring out what kind of team they want to be I don't think they really have the squad to try and do what Ten Hag wants to do they've bought a few players they probably might buy a few more that will take time to settle in uh Liverpool uh, yeah they won 9-0 but they look like they're also still figuring out what their post Mane life looks like and how they sort out their midfield issues Chelsea again complete a bit of a mystery to me at the moment in terms of where they are because you know Sterling looks like he's doing well but then they just went and and lost to Leeds 3-0 which is a bit random and again look like they might struggle for goals going forward um and then Spurs you know they're winning they're they're getting games but they don't they don't look good and looking good as secondary to winning games obviously but again I don't 
it, they look like they're just doing the same thing they did last season, which, to be fair, worked very well for them last season. Um, the question is, if they continue doing that and we continue where we are, have we got enough to actually overtake them? I, I hope so. But again, time will tell because they are still very efficient at getting results and getting points. Uh, so, yeah, I think City aside, who with Haaland have added goals and look to be just a bit untouchable at the moment, um, everyone else isn't perfect and is in some sort of transition. Now, where we rank along that, I'd like to think we are further along. Our defence is much more mature, one season older. We've added some goals to our attack. The midfield looks a bit more balanced. I don't know if I'm optimistic. I think we've solved more problems than other people and than questions other people have. Uh, but you know, it's very easy for these things to also go wrong. So I don't want to. I don't want to get too carried away. Either. So if, if, I, if I ask you both that, you know, if you recall back to what you said at the beginning of the season as to where we'd finish and and where the other teams would, um, you know, that would make up the top four, for example, has your mind changed about any of that? Not necessarily whether maybe maybe you might think we finish in the same place, but you know, have any of those other teams changed in your mind? My any any changes? I think I said we'd finish fourth. I'm trying to remember what I said about everyone else, um, <laughs> to be honest. But I don't know. I, no, I, not much has really changed. I still, I mean, look, it's four games in, right? It's so, so early. Um, so it's hard to gauge. I mean, you get an idea and, and you start to see some of the problems that certain teams have. Um, uh, but yeah, it's very, very early. So for me, I don't think much has changed. I do, I guess the one thing that's changed, which probably doesn't really affect us, or it could potentially affect us, is more, I, I really thought Liverpool and City would, it would be another two-horse race and Liverpool would push City really, really hard. And maybe they will do that. They've got loads of injuries at the moment. Um, and they've, yeah, got a bit of a post money hangover trying to work out um, how they deal with that. Um, but, but it looks like City might just, you know, destroy every everything in its path or everything in their path basically and, and literally Haaland doing that so um they could just run clear and that might bring Liverpool into a bit more of a maybe not so much a top four race but it might just mean they're a bit further off City than I thought they would be um mm -hmm. but I think in terms of like the chasing pack for third fourth uh yeah no same teams us Chelsea Spurs United's a bit of a weird one because even though they've had a bit of a bad start I've always said this, right? They can throw money at their problem, even if it's a short-term fix. They can, well, yeah, which is what they've done, and they're going to probably they're, they're going to do with with Anthony. It looks like, um, and Casemiro, they've done, um, and you know they 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 have enough. They, Aaron, and you know, you talked about we're probably because when you said about we're we you know a couple of years ahead in terms of our progression and, uh, and uh, on our journey compared to other teams. One of those teams is quite obviously United, right? But at the same time, United could can almost jump a few places ahead uh, on their plan just by putting loads of money into it and, and and throwing some pretty good players at the problem. Not so, yeah. Well, I think the stat today, was just to back that, but I think the stat today is you know if the Anthony deal goes through, then it it seems like what they'll have spent this window is the same as what Arteta spent in his five in his first five, which I think how many has he had six or five or six, but basically. Yeah. He, they spent 230 million I think now in one window I mean, so like you say that could accelerate it right yeah and obviously look they're having to do that they're having to overspend as it were or, or pay way more because people know they're desperate and teams know they're desperate so they're getting sort of taken to the cleaners in that regard but ultimately you know there's you know you look at their squad before they'd signed anyone they still had 
they still had and still have some very very good players and you know sometimes that can get you to a certain point so that probably means that they will they should obviously they should be in the top four race and and i'd like uh, and i think they probably will be um so yeah i, I don't think much has changed I, I i still think i mean look we've had a great start right so there's nothing to suggest that we won't get top four based on the first four games but it's just four games so i think arteta said in his press conference like the last line he said was be humble, be hungry. Um, when he was asked about, you know, kind of expectations for this season, and I think someone uh, interviewed joked about potentially a title challenge, and he just said, "Look, be humble. We'll be we'll be hungry. Go on to the next one, sort of thing." And I think that's that's exactly what we're going to have to do. I think once we get to about uh, by the time the World Cup comes around, we'll know kind of how serious we are as a team this season and what what the expectations are. But you know, I think you have to wait until you get through. I mean, there's no kind of Christmas period this season as normal. You have to get through, you know, through to January, FA Cup starts, Europe starts again, see the state of the squad. And then you probably know kind of going February, March, what you're really going for um, and what other teams are going to be in there with you as well. So, so yeah, for me, it's just so early, but I still expect us to challenge for top four. That, that's, that's my, that hasn't changed for me. Expectation yeah. is top four and I think we should get top four. Same Aaron and same same expectations. Nothing's changed. Yeah, yeah, pretty much what my well, Aaron. Said, you said, hang on, wait. Didn't you say that if <laughs> so I'm going to have to call you on? So didn't you say that uh, on the first episode? No, no, no. The, was it no? Before we played Palace, you said I think you said I'm paraphrasing, but something along the lines of if we win the first few games, I don't know how many games that was. Then <laughs> these first three, he was said. it first three? Then we should be. Yeah. I, I can't remember exactly what he said, but no. We, what he said was yeah. he goes. He said, "I think if we win the first three games, mm. won't they be talking? What they'll be talking about in the dressing room is more than top four. It's a, it'll be about challenging for the league." Yeah, well, I think that's nothing wrong with that. I don't think they're. I don't think they're talking about either. Yeah, that's fair. fair. Like you said, I think they're they're saying, like we don't we don't know. We could be in a in a title race <laughs> we, we 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 could also be in a relegation battle like it's it's so early we have no idea where we're going to end up right i'd like to think we've done enough to kind of show in, at least in the first four that we're not going to be in a relegation battle but this could very quickly turn into we lose two games um out of the blue which we all know we're still very capable of doing we could be back in the hunt for top four and we're chasing the top four again um however we win a couple we go we win our next two or three like we're we're just going to keep going game by game and then eventually like you said might we'll get to november january whatever and we'll be like hang on a sec we're we're still floating about first second third fourth whatever maybe three four five points off top we've just got a we're in a title race whether you like it or not um i i have no idea i have no idea i i'd love to be in a title race um but i think either way the way you the way Arteta sets up this team is you go to Villa, you try and win. You go to Old Trafford, you try and win, hopefully. And I hope that is a mentality. Like, I'd be really disappointed if we do go to Old Trafford and we think actually this team is superior, like Manchester United are superior to us and coming away from Old Trafford with a point is a good result. Um, because that is what a team chasing top four will do. But a team chasing top will say we should, if we go and draw, we've dropped two points. Yeah agree with you agree with you okay cool all right let's well you know what it is um gonna be the end of the transfer window in a few days 
So, um, you know, we may record on Thursday because obviously we play on Wednesday and, um, and we may do an episode on the Thursday, but I think that will be when the window is closing, maybe in the process of it closing almost. So it's, it's a good chance that if we do do some business, it's going to be done before then. Based on the, on the games that have gone, Mize, what do you want to see in the next um, few days? What, what do you want and what do you think that we're going to see? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what we're going to see because I just like, you just don't know. So, okay. What I want to see is what everyone wants to see. Right. And we touched on it earlier when we were talking about kind of impact subs. So another wide player uh, attacking wide player, sorry, um, is an obvious one. And we clearly want one Rafinha Neto. There were links today with Zaha. I don't know how legitimate those links were. So for me, that, that isn't, it, w- it would be, yeah, I-, I think there's going to be games this season and there's going to be periods this season where, like you can see it now, Saka, something's not quite right. I'm not concerned because we know how good he is. We know his quality. It's maybe just a form thing. I mean, he's still getting into dangerous positions and he's still doing all the right things. And there's games where, you know, even on Saturday, he missed a really, really good chance. But the run, the kind of um, little trick to get the shot, to be in a position to take a shot, it was just the execution of the shot that kind of let him down. And I think that's what's happening a lot with him at the moment. But I think once that first goal goes in from the season, I think things will be back to normal. But at the same time, as, as um, Aaron was saying, you know, we don't have Pepe anymore. It will be nice to have that option where you can just maybe rotate or maybe take Saka off, but you're not really losing too much if you do that. And so I think the obvious one, one of the obvious positions is... Um, that attacking wide player, I'd be absolutely delighted if it was like Neto. I really like Neto, so and, and obviously like age profile, Portuguese, all that kind of stuff. You know, all really it, it seems to work well in terms of what we're trying to build. Um, Zaha seems a bit more of a like, okay, we couldn't get our first couple of targets, let's go for Zaha. Um, but he's such a, such a quality player, like I love him. I think he's yeah, I just think he's brilliant. He's so good to watch. So I'd absolutely love to have him. And he'd really compete with Martinelli on that left-hand side. Like, who would you pick if you could get Zaha in your squad? It'd be very, very hard to choose between the two of them. Uh, and then the other obvious one is basically what we saw on Saturday, right? Like, we didn't have Thomas Partey. Well, I say I say it's an obvious one. There's there's two, in a way, because we're talking about Xhaka, but Xhaka's playing really, really well this season. So I'm almost like, it's almost like the attention on that area number eight, the number eight position is is kind of dropped off a little bit because Xhaka's mm. form and he's doing that. He's performing in that role really, really well. And he's, again, you know, his 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 ability to actually get in, or not so much ability, but his willingness to get into the, bo- into the box and to be involved in everything good that we're doing going forward. Um, that's really, really impressed me. So it's almost like a player like Tielemans, who you assume would compete with Xhaka, would be lovely to have. And I'd still really like Tielemans because again, I, I rate him as well. But then there is this little bit of concern where, you know, you can see it happening where Thomas Party's out for a month or two months and then you are going, the standard does drop if you go to Elneny. Um, however solid he is, it, the standard obviously drops. Can you bring someone in to maybe help in that area i don't i don't know because it's you know you can't it's very hard to find another thomas party you're not going to find another thomas party i don't think um so yeah they're probably the main areas i think apart from that i mean the other interesting thing is central uh, sorry center back were we not like right maybe not the start of the window but right in the like middle of the transfer window were we not linked with 
a centre back, or were we not? Was it not talk that we were trying to get another centre back? Because it does feel like I th- I always thought that was that was Martinez. I thought you know we were well, that that was the first main okay, story so that broke out, and it wasn't sided. clear whether we wanted him as a left back or a centre back. Yeah, no, I just thought. Well, yeah, we were linked with centre backs in January, I think, yeah. but. There was that guy, I can't remember, in, in the Bundesliga who we were linked with. Apparently, we tried to bid for in January. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I don't think anything's massively changed in terms of personnel. But, you know, we've got Saliba that's coming. I guess Zinchenko's coming there as well just, from a defensive point of view. I was view, just going to say, it's just a slight, yeah. slight, very slight concern that an injury at centre-back. I know that you've got Ben White, but then it is Rob Hold. Like, Rob Holding is the next in line and I guess that look there's four senior centre backs fair enough and we're quite lucky that Saliba's just come in and just been unreal right because if mm. he hadn't have been then it, we might have looked a bit short I don't know just I'm just again mm-hmm. conscious of a long season and injuries are going to come and we don't really want again we don't Rob Holding should be like you know fifth choice really and you have another option there that you could bring in and they play in a similar fashion to the other center backs that we've got and Rob Holding doesn't like he's not as good on the ball obviously so I guess I think the other thing is we we can probably play Tommy Asso or even Tierney yeah. there if we need to um like yeah I think in an ideal world you're right Mize you'd probably would but I think in the ranking of priorities we've got so many kind of half yeah. options who can do a job there for three four games um, yeah, I'm with you. I think the forward options, like like I said, when we went 1-0 down, it was like, who could we bring off the bench? And it does make me think what kind of profile we'd want. Like In an ideal world, like you said, a Zaha type, coming off the bench would be unbelievable, right? Because there's no, will he, won't he be able to handle the pressure or like the responsibility? Um, but the, yes, yeah, so I think for me, the key is we bring in someone with a bit of experience. Like I wouldn't want another... Lukonga type coming in like or even a Marquinhos who's not really used to the league having to figure out that stuff like this is the type of player who we want ideally if Saka's not around to be able to understand the league know the league which is why the Neto signing really excites me because the Neto possibility of signing someone like him is exciting because uh, he knows the league he's a right age profile and he wouldn't necessarily be unhappy being a rotational option. Zaha, I I don't know, I can't see it happening just because um, is he really going to want to be part of a rotation-based role where he might play left, might play right? Surely someone like him would want to be like, well, I'm going to be the main guy in this team. But, I mean, it's Arsenal at the end of the day, right? Like, do you not... It's just such a... I mean, I know he failed at United or it just didn't happen for him at United, but... I think if there was an option, if the if there, a move was there, like I mean, he wanted to come a couple of seasons ago, what three years ago, when yeah. we signed Pepe. That was <laughs> clear. That was obvious. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I can't really. I, I, I'd be shocked if he were he were to turn down a move to us, even if it means he was a you know played. He, he was rotated quite a bit. Yeah, I guess it's the second. Like I think the way I see it is, he could go and start for a pretty much any Premier League. In my opinion, he's good enough to pretty much start for anyone but City, maybe Liverpool. Um, and he would get into any of their squad, everyone else's squad, in my opinion. Um, well, not ours, though. The question is, well, no, but he would. He would, But would we sign him on that basis? I, like, I think he is good enough to start for us week in, week out, right? In the sense that, but are we really going to do that to someone like Martinelli, to someone like Saka? 
no, and yeah, okay. turn them into second choice options. I don't, I don't see a spent, and also the fees, the wages. I don't. It it doesn't add up to me. I would love it if he came. Yeah, I was just yeah. I was just meant, I was just yeah. responding to the point about you said would he want to do would he want to join us? And I can't really see a world where he wouldn't. Well, it's it's both, right? Like I don't think we'd ever sign him. Do you think we'd sign him and say you are going to start every Premier League game from now? You are the first choice. No, but I don't think he would. I don't think you right would need to hear that to sign for us. Mm. I, I personally don't. It's a bigger club. Okay. Euro, European football, probably Champions League. Well, okay, hopefully Champions League football next season. More money. You know, I don't think he and and his pro his um personality doesn't seem like like I feel like he's always wanted another crack at a big move at a big club and to show that he, he yeah. is bigger than just being like I'm the main guy at Palace and I do it every two or three games and you guys see how amazing I am because he stands out because he's at Palace whereas and he maybe he's probably a lot of people probably see what he did at United and thought he just couldn't handle it couldn't handle that pressure um wasn't really fancied and you know it didn't really work for him being a not a small fish in a big pond, but you know, um, but I, I, yeah. And I think, yeah, I think, I think he, I don't know. Is he an Arsenal? He's not an Arsenal fan. Is he? I don't know. Maybe I'm making that no. up. But. I, I'm not sure. I mean, the thing is, you know, you, before I spoke to you about it on the weekend, I actually was more in the, uh, Aaron and camp of just sort of thinking like, why would he want to, you know? Um, but actually I now tend to agree with most of the things that you're saying in terms of from the player's side, the desire point um, from just the, if you, if you imagine you just sat him down right now and you said, I'll give you a hypothetical uh, you know, scenario, Wolf, y- you either stay at Palace for the rest of your career, or I can give you one, one more shot at, you know, a big and in inverted commerce club and that's Arsenal. Yeah. So you've just got this one more. If you gave him that one more shot, I think he'd probably take it. Mm. Yeah. Uh, if you said to him, okay, this might not be your one last shot and Chelsea might come in for you and someone else might come in for you next season or whatever, then maybe then he'd be like, yeah, this is not my last chance. And so maybe I'm going to hold out and see if, you know, someone will sign me and I've got more of a, uh, more of a clear path. I don't know, playing Champions League football or, or starting or whatever, all those things. But I think, I think you're right, Miles. I think from the player's side, if, if he was given the opportunity to come to Arsenal right now, purely on that basis that this might be his last shot, at, you know, big or European football, whatever he might take it. I think more of the issue is going to be on the club side. I think whatever fee that they're going to ask for, for a pay- player that age, um, I- I'm not sure it's on brand with what we're doing at the moment. Um, and uh, and, and, and I, I do think the netto signing, therefore the potential signing, I, I can see us also relating to something that you said as well, Mize, about about Xhaka doing really well. I think they might look at it and think that they don't necessarily need to bring in that other central midfielder and therefore the funds that they thought they were going to need to spread over two positions, are they more willing to do now to, you know, if there is a good option as a, you know, alternative wide central kind of forward. And Neto does play in a lot of central areas for for Wolves as well. They rotate a lot and you see Neto kind of coming through the centre as well. Good age profile, all the rest of it. Um, He's the sort of guy that I think ticks all the boxes. So I guess it really depends on, on um, how far away we are from the numbers. I, I can really see Arsenal at a point right now where we're thinking that that's a good idea. To be honest, no one else really comes to my mind. Um, you know, is there anyone else that you guys think is realistic that you think that, you know, you would like to see at Arsenal? The, no, I mean, yeah, for me, no. <laughs> sorry, no. <laughs> Salah? Yeah, I don't know, when you, you ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, fair just, enough. Just before you move Go on, on Rog, sorry, I was just going to ask. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so, do you guys think we will 
make any more signings before the yeah I, I think I think we okay uh, let me rephrase I think we're really trying to mm. yeah so I think if we don't it's not going to be because we don't want to I think we are really trying to I, I, I do feel that for two reasons one like um, they have been very clear that they are still in the market you know they've been saying that you don't need to say that you know you don't need to come out with that and it felt like the vibes from from the club are just very specific we, we there's some things that we specifically want to do and we're trying to do them and i think the fact that we went in for rafinha early doors with like you know we we're willing to pay that much money for a wide player i think shows that that is an area that we want to do business with on if we can find the right player so i think yeah i think the likelihood is yeah i'd probably say 75 percent yes i think the fact that wolves signed a, another forward today um probably suggests that maybe there was something there and I'd be really intrigued to see if, you know, over the next couple of days, how Neto pans out. Aaron, you probably agree with that? Yeah. Exactly what you said, Roger, which is we've kind of gone out and said it and that's weird. Like, I think old Arsenal, and maybe we'll learn a lesson from this actually that maybe Arteta regrets saying this, but he's been very clear that we are still in the market and that the squad is nowhere near complete. Um, and I don't think you say that unless you are fairly confident that whatever position it is, it sounds like it's the wide right position that we want. We have a list of targets for that position and we will sign one of them. Yeah. Um, who those targets are, I have no idea. Um, but I, I also quite like that. Like the Vieira signing was cool because it came out of nowhere. Um, I hope we can get it done. Um, and also we moved on Pepe for probably the reason which was we need to free up wages and we need to free up that position in the squad um so yeah let's let's see who it is it's like um this thing on twitter which is like arsenal's mystery winger who is it uh we'll find out we'll find out um lastly guys before we clock off right we, we've got a game against villa coming up so just a very quick preview of that um now look on paper it, it at the beginning of the season you know when when they were probably analyzing the fixtures it probably wasn't analysed as that easy a, a fixture. Um, I'm not saying it is now that easy a fixture, but I think they've started a lot worse than people thought that they were going to start. They, quite frankly, look like a bit of a mess. They they lost to Bournemouth on opening day, which is now looking like, you know, reflect on that. How the hell does that happen? I mean, Bournemouth have just been so, so poor since. Um, and... Um, you know, apart from beating Everton, which they did, who, you know, are also a team that are a bit random, you know, they, they've lost their, all, all three other games. You know, they lost to, um, they lost to Bournemouth at the beginning of the season 2-0. They then, after beating Everton 2-1, they've lost to Palace 3-1 and they lost at home to West Ham just the other day. Uh, they are 15th in the league, but I mean, it's because it's obviously they got that one win. Um, Gerard's in a bit of trouble, I think. And they've spent a lot of money as well which again compounds the fact that i think that he's in a little bit of trouble um so looking to this game again going away to arsenal is probably not the game that you want to go do right now if you're if you're struggling um and um it's a wednesday night it's 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 our first kind of midweek this is the first time that we're getting this kind of midweekness come in we've We've obviously got Man United coming up the weekend after, so in you know in in, in just you know a few days after that, which means that we could see things with regards to players and rotation and all that kind of stuff. Um, Mice coming to you first. How are you looking at Villa? What do you think is going to happen? What's your prediction? 
so I really like I really like Villa in terms of some of the players that they've got, and I think they've got some some really dangerous players. And I'm not sure what what's kind of happened with with Gerard, considering how successful he was at Rangers, albeit it's Rangers, it's Scottish League. Um, but yeah, I was kind of looking at how they've set up the last few games and team selection, and it seems to be a little bit a little bit all over the place where he just basically doesn't know who who his first eleven is and, and what his best team is, and he's trying different setups different formations kind of three f- three forwards then two up top with Watkins and Ing so wouldn't even be able to predict how he's going to set up, how they're going to set up against us um on Wednesday but I think there's still a danger there's still a threat um as you said Raj like on paper before the season started this was probably uh looked at, at looked at as a fairly difficult home game and I still kind of look at it like that I still look at it as a team that could potentially do some damage um and like I say, especially going forward, they've got some kind of really exciting and good players, Coutinho, Jacob Ramsey, Ollie Watkins. So, um, so yeah, I, 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 I'm struggling to say that I think we'll win just because if you put this game any other time in the season, I'd probably say, yeah, we should win. It's a home win. I'd probably predict, predict to win. I guess just because we're coming off the back of four wins, I'm just reluctant to say it's going to be five out of five because I just... That's kind of bonkers, really. Um, is, yeah. So, I'm uh, yeah. So, like, I do, I do think we'll win. I'm just, I guess, I, I don't really want to say it because, of, like I said, um, just it just seems a bit unreal. But yeah, I'm gonna, I'm still gonna go with a home win. I think it. I don't think it's going to be straightforward. I didn't think Fulham would be straightforward, and I think, I think they're going to offer. I think, I think they're going to pose some problems. I think, like I said, they've got they've got quality and I think they're in a bit of a fault, not a false position as such, but I feel like come the end of the season, Villa will be around kind of mid, like I don't think they'll be in a relegation battle or anything like that. I think they'll be around mid table, probably top half um, saying that. I'm not sure if Gerard will, will last um, too many more defeats, to be honest, by the sounds of it. But yeah, I'm going to go for a win. I'm going to go, I'm going to go for another two, one actually would we'll go for another two, one. And I think it will be a, uh, Hopefully it won't be as late as last time, but um, yeah, I think it'll be a fairly tight win. Okay, Hernan? Uh, I'm I'm pretty optimistic for this one because I, I just don't rate Villa that highly at all this season. They just look a bit of a mess. Um, they their, their team looks just not very balanced. I don't really know what what kind of football they're trying to play. I don't really know what yeah, where their goals are going to come from, I yeah, and I think Gerard Gerard's in trouble. So, I I think it'll be a a nice routine home win. I I'll go for three 0 That's very interesting. I'm I'm gonna go for a, I'm gonna go for three one, but I think it's going to be closer to maybe um, what you say, Aaron, and I think, I think I feel a little bit more confident about it. Um, I'm probably going to be wrong. Um, I'm actually going off a bit of good form though, in fairness, right? Because when we were talking about the game um, just gone and we were talking about, it, I said, I think we'd win two, one and we were going to go a goal down and that happened. But um, so I'm on a bit, on a bit of good form. Uh, but here's the thing. My, does it, my prediction is, is also kind of based on the lineup where I think that, I predict that we won't rest anyone. So I predict that we will just play our fittest team. And therefore, if Zinni and, and, and Partey are back, like I think you know they're not going to rest. A lot of people are saying that Jesus might be rested. I don't think he'll be rested. I, I think 
yeah, I, I, because I, because a lot of people are sort of thinking, well, we've got Man United away coming up, so you know, surely you would prioritize that. And I think if the league has taught anyone anything, it's like you just cannot think like that. No, no, there's no way of like mapping out games in that way. Um, we could play our best team against United and and lose, and we could we could rest a bunch of players and we could probably we could win. Like it wouldn't be, you know, you can imagine those games playing out, right? <laughs> like you can still imagine them. So I I think that Arteta won't rest players, and and I think we'll go for it. And I think that we just there's just too much water. I think we've got a very we, there's a lot of automatic automatic at Arsenal at the moment. There's a lot of just good habits. Um, people trust each other. The players know where they're going to be. You know, when we're attacking, there's just it's just like a swarm of people. Like there's just all these people in the box. It must be it must be a nightmare. Like at the moment to play against, you just must. And you know, when you're at the Emirates right now, which you know, the Emirates, I mean, we've never been able to say this right in I think all the time that we've been Arsenal fans. But I think we could say it now. We've got one of the best atmospheres in the country. And it's not nice to come to the Emirates right now. Like the fans are so, so vocal and it's a night game and, you know, you've got that as well under the light. So I think it's going to be fun. And um, yeah, I think we're going to win 3-1. Um, okay, nice. boys. Um, thank you. Like It was a really fun recording. Uh, obviously, we didn't get to record against Bo- after Bournemouth. Um, we would have, I'm sure, said very similar themes there's a feel-good factor at the moment. We've won four out of four. I think we should be really happy. I think lots of Arsenal fans have said it on Twitter, have, have sort of come out against the celebration police, and rightly so, because all you can do is, as many is, is, as the two of you have touched on today, all you can do is beat what's in front of you. And people don't normally win four out of four, um, even if they are straightforward games, because the league just does not work like that. So um, let's hope we can make it five out of five and there's no reason why why we can't, right? And then that would be uh, a great place to to be, to then go to Old Trafford and uh, feel like, you know, then that then that's just going to be all the, all the same nerves that we've always had when we go to Old Trafford and maybe we can break the hoodoo. It feels like we haven't won there in a little while. So um, cool. All right, guys, listen, thank you very much. Have a nice evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Please like, subscribe, share. Really appreciate it. Thank you all. Take care, Gunners. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Bye.